but I, I think it's pretty cool that we can use an animal that can um, assist the community. And, you know, our mission at our city is to enhance the quality of life for the people that work, live and play in our city. And I think it's phenomenal that Raider and all of our other dogs can do that. You know, Tuesdays are the worst day of the week. No one can fight me on this. Like, this is this is a truth. Tuesdays are the worst day because Monday is Monday. Like, you know it's terrible. You know it's shit. Yeah. And – but but it's also – I feel like Mondays sometimes are a little refreshing, like, especially if you had, like, a good weekend. You, like, you feel mm. refreshed, like, going back to yeah. work. They're not terrible. That's true. Tuesday, you've been in it for a day. And you're like, oh, I forgot. Yeah. I forgot like, how stressful it exactly. is. Exactly. <laughs> You've been in it for a day and the rest of the week, like it's it's not even like Wednesday, like halfway through. Like it's just, you're still at the beginning of the week. Mm. Worst day. Worst day of the week. That's my. I would agree. And you can't like, I mean, you can drink on a Tuesday, but I feel like it's not as, <laughs> you know, Wednesday, you're kind of like, yeah, yay, hump day. Th- and then like thirsty Thursday. And then of course, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's weekend, you know, party however you want. <laughs> But I feel like Tuesday is like, the, like you can't even, there's no solace, basically. Mm. Yesterday, I went to Red Lobster and <laughs> I I really wanted a cocktail. Yeah. It was like one of those days where like I just really wanted a drink mm-hmm. and um, I didn't because it was a school night. But I was like, oh my gosh, if this is how I feel on a Monday yeah, and I want a drink. Well, it's because you were, you were out and about. Like you were in party mode because you were out to dinner on a Monday night. Like who does on a that? Monday afternoon? <laughs> yeah, what a party, Izzy! <laughs> it was great. Yeah, endless shrimp Monday. That sounds good. Yeah, Tuesdays yeah. suck, and we're the with a dog podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but the modern dog parent. Okay. Uh, yes, we are the with a dog podcast for the modern dog parent. We interview veterinarians, trainers products and game-changing pet parents about how you can get the most out of life with, with a dog. dog that was that was so good. so good that was very impressive <laughs> we've never done that before guys we're your hosts i'm carly and i'm izzy and today we have a really great episode for you i uh, we're all about police dogs today so we interviewed officer richie about how police dogs are trained what it's like living and working with a police dog and how you can get involved with working with dogs too if you're interested yes totally love this episode um one because raider is so stinking cute that is officer richie's dog who is the working police dog do they call it officer raider is no, she officer, officer richie oh officer Ra- yeah because I don't think so. Don't they? They are officers, but I don't. Yeah. I'm just thinking like army dogs, they are like commanders and st- like they can get promoted, can't they? Izzy, this is something we should have asked during the we podcast. If you were there, you could have asked this. <laughs> yeah, you'll hear me come in about halfway through. I got stuck in some traffic, so I couldn't make it. But um, I do make it in the end. Don't worry. Yes. I'm there. Izzy shows up. It was actually only like 10 minutes in, so we're okay. Yeah, I think we're only on like the second question. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. We did learn some other stuff, though. We didn't get that question answered, but we Damn learned it. some great other stuff. So Raider's adorable. She's a, a little petite black lab who is a detection dog with working with Officer Richie. And I followed them for a while on Instagram and TikTok. They have 
quite the following. And along with their friend, who we refer to a few times in the episode, Canine Mattis, who is also another police dog in the Alpharetta, Georgia department. I follow all of them. I really, really enjoy just watching all their content, watching the dogs get trained and like how a working dog operates and specifically a police dog. So that's why I love this episode. We got a lot more of an insight into it. Officer Richie is so phenomenal. He was super nice, took the time out of his day to speak with us. So yeah, really liked it. I yeah, I really like talking to him. I think the main thing that I've loved just about following them and speaking to Officer Richie was there's been a lot of hate towards the police in the past year, obviously due to the cases that happened. Um, but I think we've been lacking some goodness in the world um, mm-hmm. and some some good police work. And I think um, Officer Ritchie and the Alpharetta, Georgia department have been highlighting that through social media. And just the fact that they have social media and, and yeah. there's such a big following, they're just breaking down so many barriers in between the public and the police. And it's obvious that they're trying to work with the public instead of against them. And that's something that I just think has been lacking in a lot of places yeah. recently. So I'm absolutely... Yeah, loved it. I totally agree with that. You know, I think, as you said, they are kind of breaking down those ba- barriers. So, you know, even us over in Seattle can kind of see what the police dogs are doing in Georgia. And I think that's a good thing. Also, just to avoid any confusion, uh, this is not an animal control officer episode. So we're not asking any animal control related questions. Uh, we did do an interview with a local animal control officer back on episodes seven and eight in season one. So if you're interested in that, scroll on back to those. But for now, a little bit more about our guest. Canine Raider and Officer Richie are police officers in the city of Alpharetta, Georgia. Raider and Richie are tasked with finding illegal drugs, locating missing persons or fleeing suspects, and changing perceptions on policing one head scratch at a time. So let's get into it. Let's do it. All right. So let's go ahead and jump in here. We've got Officer Phil Ritchie and his dog, the lovely Raider. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Of course. Of course. Well, you said Raider can do a little little trick to introduce herself. Yeah. Well, I'm Officer Ritchie. This is Raider. Raider, say hi. Say hi. Good. One more time. Say hi. Oh, you shy? <laughs> Girl. And we're a uh, police canine team in the city of Alpharetta, Georgia. Raider is a Labrador retriever. She's very small. She's about 40 pounds. That's her licking the microphone. <laughs> and um, she uh, was the runt of her litter. She's a purebred black Labrador retriever. She's just very tiny. So a lot of people, when they see us out in public, they're always asking, is your dog a puppy? Is your dog in training? Mm-hmm. and so you know she's almost five years old so it gets a little old sometimes and but you get a lot of surprised looks when you're like no she's actually almost five years old so do you think it actually makes her better at her job because she's smaller in that way or um or is it more beneficial in certain ways i mean it can be you know part of the reasons that uh, we selected her initially was because of her size we, we initially started off as a community relations canine team working in the schools a lot and so when I pitched her position I wanted a smaller more approachable dog for maybe people who were afraid of dogs and so she was really cute and very small and so that really has helped 
introduce her to people who may have been afraid of dogs, they're more apt to approach Raider and pet her because of her size. Well, I mean, that's something that the one of the reasons that we kind of gravitated towards your Instagram page when we found it as well is, you know, I know you're good friends with Canine Mathis and the, the whole German Shepherd police dog is kind of the, I mean, stereotype has a negative connotation, but, but, you know, like that's kind of what you see more often. I was like, oh, who is this petite little black lab? You know, there's the whole stigma against black dogs. They're harder to adopt out from shelters. And, and so it was like, I, she is, she's a unique, I think, in the field, it seems like. Yeah, a lot of people, you know, they think of police dogs as German shepherds. And really, there's several breeds that are used in police work. You know, we have the German shepherd. We have the Belgian Malinois. We have Labrador Retrievers. Both There's Goldens and uh, Chocolate Labs I've seen. Uh, I guess White Labs mm-hmm. and Black Labs. Um, you have Bloodhounds that are used in police work. Um, German Short-Haired Pointers that are used in police work. And I'm going to mess up this breed name. It's not as common, but at a, a last conference we went out to in California, apparently the California Highway Patrol, I don't even know how to, it's a Weimarimer or something Weimarimer. like that. Weimarimer, yeah, yeah. Yes, that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I have never seen one of those breeds as a police canine. But really, at the end of the day, as long as the dogs have the drives that you're looking for to do the specific task you want them to do, I mean, really, you could use any dog as long as they can perform those and have those drives. Speaking of, how does a dog get to become a police dog then? Like, what is what does the training look like? How does the process even get started? So, again, it'll come down to what you want that dog to do. So, you know, we have patrol dogs, which we refer to patrol or like a dual purpose dog. Those dogs are going to be trained on a, a number of tasks. So, at our department, our patrol dogs are trained in apprehension, so they can, you know, apprehend a fleeing criminal uh, with their teeth. Um, They also do narcotics detection. They also do article searches, meaning where if somebody were to discard a a firearm or anything that you were holding that has human scent on, it could be your keys, a knife, whatever, they can find those items. And they're also trained in tracking, and that's for locating either good people, for example, like a missing person, or uh, bad people or criminals uh, who try to escape custody and they, they take flight into the woods or, or wherever. So okay. that would be like a patrol dog. And, and those dogs would be, you know, probably most common as your German Shepherds or Belgian Malinois. Mm-hmm. You know, a Labrador probably wouldn't be the greatest dog for criminal apprehension. They're just very sweet dogs. <laughs> uh, and it's just not, I guess, in their genetics to, to be like that. So when we're looking for a dog, we want to find a dog with a high hunt drive um, and a high prey drive, because really, at the end of the day, they're completing these tasks for their toy. Okay. And um, one of the ways, you know, for example, with Raider, uh, Sergeant Mark Tappan with Canine Mattis, he was our unit uh, trainer at the time, and he still is, but he selected Raider. And so some of the things that he did to pick her were is they wanted to see how her hunch drive was, or her prey drive as well. And so basically what he did is he just took a tennis ball, and he threw it in some very thick... Uh, it was She came from like a, a training facility, and they had like a farm there. Kind of a funny story. But um, so there was some very thick, overgrown grass. And he took that tennis ball, and he just threw it as far as he could into that the thickest part. And Raider 
would not come back without that tennis ball. Mm. And so where you could do that with some dogs, if you took their favorite toy and threw it in a very uh, thick wooded area or a very heavy brush, you know, bushes, anything like that, they may go look for it for a little bit. And then, you know, maybe after two or three minutes, if they can't find it, they've moved on up oh, squirrel or whatever. Yeah. You know, they've given up. And so with Raider, that's just, that's not an option. A lot of these working dogs, that's not an option. They're not going to come back without that toy. So, and that all goes into, you know, at work when they're searching for drugs or for people, they, they need to, they want to find those things. It's that hunt drive. Mm-hmm. Um, so the hunt drive, the prey drive, how bad they want to get that toy, how bad they'll, they'll work to get to it. So for example, you know, I know Sergeant Tappan will do a thing where he'll take like a, a toy and he'll put it under like a stack of wooden pallets and these big shepherds will completely just move these pallets out of their way to get to that toy. And Raider would probably do that too. She is little, uh, but mm-hmm. when she wants something, she will get to it. Yeah. So uh, those are kind of the things that we look for in those working dogs. Okay. So how old was she when Sergeant Tappan did that testing on her to kind of see what her personality was. She was right at about a year old. Okay. So was yeah, she... one year, year and a lot, somewhere around there. She was at some, like, training facility farm kind of place, you said? Yeah, it's a company. It was called Alpha Training LLC. I'm not sure if they're still around, but they were in the business of selling, you know, personal protection dogs. They sold some bomb detection dogs, things like that. Yeah, and he ran it out of his house, and he had a little farm in the back, like pigs and chickens and stuff, and all right, Izzy just got here. Come on in, awesome. Izzy. Hello. Hi there. Sorry I'm late to the concert. No worries. Raider, here. I'll be. Go Come to your kennel. Hi, Raider. Go to your kennel. Oh, hi. Look at her. <laughs> look at look how sa- shiny she is. You I can tell just, she's, I was just that. she's so healthy. So how did you and Raider get paired up then? Like, what was that process like? What what training did she have to go through? What training did you have to go through to get paired up? So we did it in-house, and that saved a lot of money because, fortunately, Sergeant Tappan is a certified canine instructor as well. And so it was a little easier to do it in-house because initially Raider was only trained for scent detection for controlled substances. And it's actually pretty easy and very quick to train dogs to do that, you know, especially when you get these high drive dogs that, you know, come from working lines. So, you know, Raider learned the game probably in four days, three or four days. It was very quick. And basically the way we trained her is we have these uh, boxes. Uh, they, we call them BSD boxes and it, it stands for behavior shaping device. And all it is, it's a square box and inside it has a mechanism that when you push a remote, it basically launches a ball at the top of the box. And under the box, there's a place that you can put uh, scent items. And so with Raider, we actually trained her, we call it the cocktail theory. Um, and basically what that is, instead of training the dog on one individual drug at a time, you just put all the drugs in there that you're going to train the dog on. Because, you know, and, and you probably know this being, you know, working in the veterinarian field, but, you know, dogs can smell things individually. So the best way to explain that to our listeners is, you know, when when you buy a pizza or you get a pizza delivered and it comes into your house and it's in the kitchen and you come down from the, the your bedroom because mom got pizza for dinner, you know, the whole house smells like pizza, right? Mm-hmm. That's just the best way to explain it. 
you know, the dog says we do. We smell everything together and it just smells like pizza. You might smell a few of the ingredients that have a more stronger odor profile, like maybe the onion or, or the sausage. But the way a dog smells pizza is they smell everything that's in that pizza. Anywhere, anything from the milk that's in the cheese, the dough, the yeast, water, the pepperoni. You know, a pizza probably has 70 to 100 ingredients and the dog can smell each and every single one. Excuse me, each and every single one of those, which is crazy. Yeah. And so um, that's, you know, why we can, you know, train them on that method because they're smelling everything off. She's trained on five different controlled substances. So she, she can individually, you know, smell each one of those things that we put in that, that box. So that's how we trained her. And, and basically to get it started is we would put, um, the odor in that box. And there's a tennis ball also in that box because that's what's going to shoot out. And, uh, we'll take another tennis ball and, uh, we will actually, I'm sorry. At first there's not a tennis ball in there. We had the tennis ball in our hand and I have her on a leash and we're bouncing the tennis ball in front of her in the room. And she's going crazy because she wants to get it, but I'm not letting her because I have her on the leash. You know, Sergeant Tappan is rolling the ball around in the room, just really getting her amped up. And what he'll do is he'll go over to the box and drop the tennis ball in the box. And then as, as soon as he gets out of the way, we'll pair a command that we want the dog to associate with searching for drugs. And so, you know, she gets excited when I say it, but I'll say it in like a deeper voice. But, you know, we used a, a command. It's Dutch, I believe. It's a soup. Um, and that's the word that I tell her when I want her to search for drugs. So I'll yell that. And as soon as I yell that, we run. Well, she's pulling me to the box. And at first, you know, she's trying to go through the hole on top. She just wants to get the ball at first. But, you know, we'll kind of get our fingers and get her attention down towards the opening where the odor is as well. And um, so what she's doing is she's going to the box trying to get that toy. We'll give her a verbal of sit. Um, and I, she didn't even know what sit was, to be honest with you. She didn't, she knew nothing. She had no training. And when she sat down, the ball shot out of the box and she got her toy. And so they're associative learners, right? So you just repeat that process. And what ends up happening is in Raider's mind, she's like, all right, every time I smell these odors and sit down, my toy appears. That's all it did. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, she learned that pretty quick. Uh, three or four days, she picked it up. And then what you do is you start adding more boxes. Only one box has the odor. And it's really cool to watch because she won't only, she'll smell all the other boxes, but she'll only sit down at the box that has the odor in it. And so we did that for about a week, week and a half. And then we just completely took the tennis ball out of the equation because we don't want them to also, because they're also smelling the tennis ball. So we don't want our dogs to alert the tennis balls because those aren't illegal to own. And so then you just, you take the tennis ball completely out of the equation, do the same steps. Uh, and instead of the ball launching out of the, the box, you just throw it. You throw the toy at the box. Uh, and then after two weeks, you take the boxes completely out of the equation and you just hide it in everyday, everyday things in cars, vehicles, houses, you know, um, and the more fun you make it, the more the dog wants to do it. So it was about a five week, a little less than five week process. And she was certified in narcotics detection. Wow. Crazy. I mean, it seems like, you know, five weeks, obviously it would be a pretty intense training for those five weeks and stuff. But I thought, I don't know, that's way shorter than I thought it would be. So that's really cool that she was able to, to get to that point in such a short time. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, the more fun you make it, I and mean, all it is to them is a game, a fun game. So, you know, some people's dogs love going on walks, and when you say walk and grab the leash, they flip out because they know they associate the grabbing of the leash. You know, that's why I tell people sometimes. You know, they're like, "How do I? How do you get my dog to to not flip out and tear the house up when it's time to go on a walk?" Well, the dog understands if you ask the dog they want to go on a walk, or if you grab the leash. And every time you do that, you immediately go on a walk. They associate those things with that's what's going to happen. So if you want to break that habit, grab the leash and go sit down on the couch and watch TV for a week and don't go on a walk until after that. And then start understanding that, oh, you know, we're not going on a walk anymore. That's not what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's just a fun game. And so she loved it. That's so awesome. You know what? I I haven't had much interaction with police dogs just out and about in daily life, but one time I was in an airport and I saw a policeman with the dog and um, he did have a tennis ball with him. And I thought, oh, that's so nice. You know, they're going to go and have a little play session. And now I know it was it was not for a play session. Yeah. It, was, it was probably for some additional training. <laughs> yeah, that's their reward. Some some dogs are, are food rewarded. They're rewarded by food. Um, I know, I think some uh, bomb detection dogs are. I think um, uh, electronic sniffing dogs you know we call them child pornography dogs they don't smell child pornography but a lot of child pornography is stored on electronic devices and i believe those dogs are actually trained on all these electronic devices usbs phones and laptops they have an internal glue that keeps all the internal components together and it's a very very minute amount it's very small and uh, those dogs are actually trained on i believe that actual substance and so they those dogs are food rewarded just to kind of help them um, with that process. But yeah, the toys are, that's their, that's their reward. I have mine on my belt. I have a little pouch that keeps it in there. And, you know, when she you know, at work, when she alerts to a vehicle or if we're doing a search warrant or, or whatever, that's, that's what she gets when she does her job. That's, I mean, that just, it makes me so happy because I think a lot of times there's the whole like, oh, you're making the dog work or whatever. You know, sometimes there can be a stigma against that. But in reality, it's, it's a game. You know, it's yeah, like, as you said, like it's they enjoy doing these practices. Even the dogs that are trained for apprehension. So like I get in the bike seat at trainings to help our other dogs out. The dogs love it. All we are is a big squeaky toy. All right. <laughs> that suit is a big squeaky toy. So people kind of think that's a cool thing. The dogs love it. They're, you know, I'll take chest bites, which those are intimidating. They'll come up and right here on your chest. Mm-hmm. And that shepherd or mound wall, they're not going to come off. They're not coming off that bite until the handler takes them off or like you severely injure that dog. Um, and, but the whole time they're, they're on you on that bite, their tail is going a hundred mile an hour. And a lot of times when they're doing the right thing, so we'll give audible, like I said, we're a big chew toy. So when they're driving in on that bite, you know, we'll, we'll make a loud audible noise of, ah, you know, or ah, you know, just like, a, like it's pain, but to them it's fun. And when they're not doing what they're supposed to do, you just, don't move. You, you make it not fun for them. And then when they re-engage and drive in, you make it fun. And, but they're having a blast. The tail's going 100 mile an hour. I'll sit there and pet their head while they're like biting my chest. <laughs> they love it. It's absolutely fun. They, they love it. It's the game. It's it's just a different game. It's not the, the drug fighting game. It's fight the man game. You yeah. know what? I feel like Arthur would, my dog, I feel like he would be an apprehension dog if he was for a police sure. dog. For he sure. would love that game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we kind of went through what Raider's training was. What did you have to go through to be a canine handler? So, you know, that five-week training period, a lot of people think it's just for the dog. It's actually for, for us both. 
because <clears throat> a lot of people understand or they they think that when a dog finds drugs that they just sit down, right? Um, that's a trained conditioned response that, that we teach the dogs. Really, we just do that for court purposes, to be honest. I mean, the dog doesn't have to sit down. Uh, it just looks good on camera. So if it ever goes to a grand jury one day and the grand jury watches the video, and they're like, oh, that dog sat down. There must be drugs. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's really what it is. I mean, uh, the the training, though, is recognizing the behavior changes that the dog displays, the natural uh, behavior changes that they display when they are in the odor of those drugs that you've trained them to locate. So it's very important that you're paying attention to your dog the entire time of that training, especially like the first two weeks when the dog is learning those odors, because again, the sitting down has nothing to do with an alert. The alert is the behavior changes. So I have to recognize when Raider is an odor. And if I don't pay attention to her, I have no idea, you know? And so every dog kind of has a, a different behavior. You know, they're similar. And if you handle the dog or work the detection dog for a while, you can kind of see that in other dogs, especially if you haven't um, worked with that dog, but you can kind of see that they're in, in odor. Um, but it's things like the, the snapping of their head. You know, if they walk by an odor, you know, they can smell out of just one nostril. Unlike we, we can't do that. We have to like plug our nose to do that. They just, they can smell out of their left and right nostril individually. So if a dog is walking by, you know, a car or whatever and they like hit the brakes and they whip their head to the left, there's a good chance that that odor, so it's not a good chance, that odor is going to be on the left side of them where they whip their head to. So you just got to, you know, pay attention to those things. Like with Raider, when she's an odor, especially when she gets close to the source, her tail goes 100 mile an hour. Mm-hmm. Her tail is a dead giveaway. You know, there's been times in training where we've hid things in, you know, because she's very small. So they'll hide things in deep grass. And I can't see anything but her butt. And when her <laughs> tail starts going 100 mile an hour, I, I know I, I just I call an alert immediately because I know she's found it, um, you know, changes in breathing pattern. If her head's tilted up, if, if she's, you know, trying to go underneath things, that's not natural. Those aren't natural behaviors for a dog to do. You know, so if, if we're doing a search and Raider's trying to crawl underneath a car, there's probably some kind of magnetic under the car, magnetic case. You know, that's just that's not a natural behavior. So. It's recognizing those behaviors and what the dog is doing. So, you know, I'm an expert with Raider. Uh, I'm not an expert with Mattis. All right. I'm not an expert with Aries, who's one of our other dogs, or Hammer. Not an expert with them. I see them in training and I kind of know when they're in odor. But ultimately, the handler knows 100%. That, yes, my dog is in odor. So that's part of the training with that. But just, you know, in general, if you wanted to become a canine handler with our department, you've got to have a good work ethic. You know, you have to display that you're not lazy. You know, you have to make good cases at work because we're essentially giving you a twelve to fifteen thousand dollar investment, and we would never want to give that to somebody who's just going to come to work and do nothing. You know, we need people that are going to utilize these dogs who are going to constantly train. That is the biggest thing. You, we train every day at home, at work. I don't think people understand. It's just a constant training and, and you can, you know, unfortunately you, you see teams not at our department, but you know, we'll, we'll go to like some training conferences or working seminars and, and you'll see teams that just don't look that good. And, and it's because they don't train as much. 
So there's constant training. So you want to find someone who's going to be, you know, ethically sound in that, that, uh, department anyway. Um, and then there's an, you know, you apply for an open position. Um, there's a physical agility test. Like with us, you have to carry the dog. I think it's like a hundred yards or something like that. You have to do a sprint with the dog in your hands and not raider size, right? It's, you're going to be carrying a, an 80 to hundred pound dog. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish <laughs> I could carry raider. That would be a lot easier, but, um, and then there's an oral interview. And so that's kind of how we do it at our department. Mm-hmm. Well, that kind of leads me into the next question of, you said you train all day, every day, and she comes home with you. She is your dog at home as well. What does her home life look like? How is it different from maybe like a normal family dog's lifestyle? So Raider has to earn everything um, that she she gets. Okay. Treats at home. I don't just give her a treat. We She's got to earn it. Whether she heals with me, stays, something. She has to earn it. She doesn't get toys. Um, she doesn't like, we have a, another dog at home, Cooper. He's a eight year old. They're like best friends. They absolutely love each other. And when Raider comes to work with me, we take the toy box and we put it on the floor because Cooper can have toys whenever he wants. Uh, when Raider comes home, that box gets taken off the floor and Cooper is in like toy jail. He doesn't get his toys there. Um, and so it's just, she has to earn them, you know, and again, that's because really the only time she gets a toy is, is when she does her job. And so if she had the you know availability to play with a, a tennis ball whenever she wanted to, it wouldn't be a sought for versus at work. So that's one of the, the differences. But she still gets, you know, I'll give her an antler to chew. They're good for her teeth. Or, you know, she can get a, a we'll play fetch every now and then. But she has to earn it. So when she, when we're doing that, we're healing. We're doing something to make her earn it. Um, when we leave the house and if I don't take her with me, she's kenneled. She doesn't have that freedom. And a lot of times, too, um, she's kenneled at night. Sometimes she gets to sleep out, uh, on her bed, but most of the time she's, she's kenneled. Mm-hmm. And that's just, we do that to kind of build that energy. You know, we want her to have all this energy when she comes to work. So that way she's like, and when she's back here, that's why it's really boring back in her kennel. I was going to show you, but, uh, just to describe to the listeners because they won't be able to see anything. There's nothing fancy back there. It's just a, a little metal kennel. It's got a water dish. There's not a soft blanket. There's not like a bed back there. It has a flooring, a rubber flooring that is a little soft. Um, but we don't want them to enjoy being in the kennel. We want them to be eager to get out and go to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not cruel. It's just that's what we do to, to help them be a better working dog is to want to get out of that car, especially with Raider. A lot of people don't know. she She's pretty timid out in crowds, uh, large crowds and things like that, just if we were going to go for a casual walk. So a lot of getting her socialized and wanting to get out in the world was she was kenneled a lot and she has it's just really boring back there. And so that has really helped her want to get out and explore. Now that's just on a casual walk. It's really neat with her hunt drive. This goes back into the selection of the dog. I can take her like, for example, the high school, we worked the high school a lot. That was initially what we did. She really hated the high school because there's like 2000 kids running around, especially when the bell rings and she didn't like it. Yeah. She would have her tail tucked and she's like, this sucks. But if I got her amped up and asked her if she wanted to go find D O P E, that's how I get her primed up. <laughs> she will go anywhere and nothing scares her. And that's because yeah. that hunt drive overrides any of her fears. Um, so that's one of the reasons why, you know, she was kind of a lot um, and how it's a little different than the home life. 
Yeah. Well, I think that makes a lot of sense because if you if you give her rules that are completely different at home, so you know, not working for her treats or her toys, then you don't want that to then bleed into work and and lead to, you know, a potentially bad situation or her missing something or something like that. So it makes sense that it's like got to keep it standard throughout her whole life, you yep. know, not just like this is this and this is like, Yeah. And- she, I mean, it, it's she has different collars at home. Like there's a process and she knows it. You know, I have a room in my house downstairs. It's kind of like a hobby room, uh, but I, it's it's my uniform room and I have my wardrobe in there and all my gear for work and her kennels in there and all of her collars and leashes and everything. So she knows when I go in there and start putting my uniform on, she comes in because she knows it's time to get ready for work. And, you know, when, when it's time for me to put her collars on, she stands up. She'll either put her, she'll stand on her hind legs and put her paws on my thigh and she puts her little head out there and I put her first collar on and then I put her second collar on and then she knows that we go to the car. Um, and I usually put her vest on in the car. I think that's... Um, but she knows, yeah. I mean, it's just like humans, you know, we know that we have our, you know, our work clothes and our casual clothes, you know, we have everything compartmentalized at home. So it just, it does make sense that it's the same for a dog too. You know, they have a job just like we do. So they have their uniform and they should know the difference between the two if we know the difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For um, sure. So I guess... My main question is, how are you able to cope with going into dangerous situations with her, knowing that she is, you know, your best friend, your your work partner, like everything? How How is that, um, I guess, like mentally and emotionally going into that? Yeah, it can be tough sometimes, especially, you know, w- with Raider, it's a little different because, you know, she's not going to be in those violent situations per se. Um, where we're going to, she's not trained in apprehension, so she's not going to be like taking down anybody. So she's not going to be in that danger, uh, capacity or she won't be in that kind of work anyway. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it is very possible that we could have to go on a track for a dangerous person. Now we would rather send our canine Mattises, Hammer or Aries because they're all trained in apprehension. But, you know, right now we're down a dog. So if they're not available, and we have a, a dangerous suspect that just fled and we have to find that person, Raider would be up for the call. And I would just have to tell my backup officers that are on the track with me, hey, you guys are going to have to go hands-on because Raider's going to just take us there and she's going to be happy. And, uh, you know, um, <laughs> she's not going to be of any help in the apprehension part. So, you know, I worry about that a little bit, but I know we got some really jam-up guys that uh, and girls that we work with. So, um, but it's still, you know, when we're doing vehicle searches or s- search warrants at residences, you know, fentanyl, for example, is a very, very hardcore drug that kills people, just the, the littlest amount. And so, um, that does scare me, you know, because they don't have to ingest that. Um, a lot of people ask me, does your dog get high when they smell the meth? No, they, that doesn't bother that. They have to ingest it. Um, but fentanyl is a little different. I mean, it can just be in the air. So, that does scare me. We carry Narcan, um, and it is good for us as humans, and it's also good for the dog. So I, I carry two doses with me, one for me and one for the dog. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Raider doesn't know she's a police dog. I don't think she knows she's a police dog. Mm-hmm. I don't think any dog knows that they're a police dog, quite frankly. I just think these dogs enjoy the game because, again, that's all it is. Um, 
but I, I think it's pretty cool that we can use an animal that can um, assist the community. And, you know, our mission at our city is to enhance the quality of life for the people that work, live and play in our city. And I think it's phenomenal that Raider and all of our other dogs can do that by removing dangerous persons from the community um, or finding and removing dangerous drugs mm-hmm. from the community. So it does, you know, I, I worry, but uh, I just rely on our training and uh, stay on our toes at all times so we don't encounter a situation where she will get hurt. Yeah. What advice would you give anyone who's listening right now who wants to become a, a canine handler or wants to train a dog for the police? Well, if you want to be a police canine handler, I don't recommend the day uh, an opening comes out that you apply for it. Because what they're going to do is they're going to ask you, what have you done to prepare for this? All right. Uh, so I guess what I'm saying is you need to prepare for that. Uh, there may there may not be an opening for years. You know, canine positions are usually very hard to come by because they're great jobs. I mean, you get to go to work with your best friend. And so they usually last, you know, anywhere from seven to nine years. So that's a long time that a position may not be open. And if for seven to nine years you have a passion or you want to to be a handler, but for seven to nine years you don't do anything to prepare for that, you're probably not going to get selected. So what I'm saying is, is is if you're a police officer and you currently work for a police department and you have an interest in canine, get in touch with the canine commander or whoever's in charge of the unit and say, hey, I want to help out at training. And you know what? Just about every canine unit is going to say, yes, we would love that because we're always looking for people to lay tracks for our dogs um, or, you know, we could teach them how to successfully be a decoy because there's a lot that goes into taking a bite. You know, there's a lot of safety things for not only the the person in the suit, but for the dog. You know, there's a lot of you don't want to jam the dog in a bite. You can hurt them. So um, but we're looking for, for people that want to help us with that. And so if, if you have an interest. In doing that, I suggest you start helping and showing up at canine trainings because that's a good way for the people who are going to eventually interview you. They're going to be like, oh, we've seen this guy. He comes to all of our trainings. He helps. He's eager. He asks asks questions. He comes out to events. Um, So that's probably the main thing I would do. I would also not be lazy, you know, go out and make some drug cases. be a hard worker because that all is going to transfer into being a handler because there's a lot of work that goes into it. Um, Do you have to be yeah. a police um, officer to go to the trainings or can you just volunteer as an average Joe? I think that's going to rely on department policy and how departments usually handle that. We actually allow people to come to our trainings and I, we kind of vet through them and see who wants to come to them. You know, if we have a college student that is like, hey, you know, I, I want to be a police officer one day and canine is my passion. Could I come to one or two of your trainings? We're going to definitely allow that. You know, we may not have them come out every single training, but we may allow them maybe once a month. Yeah, come on out, you know, come check it out. So, uh, but some places may not do that. that I, I can only speak for, for Alpharetta. So, but yeah. Great. I didn't know, I didn't even know that that was like a thing. So if your department do it, then I'm hopeful that others We'll also do that. <laughs> you know, we have ride-alongs that, you know, our department. Now, right now, during COVID, um, I'm sure whenever things calm down a little bit more, they'll come back. But, yeah, people request to ride with the canine unit. You can ride in my passenger seat and come to work with us and see what we do. <laughs> you know what? If, if anyone's ever doing a charity auction, that would be a really cool auction item. 
That would be really well, cool. Yeah. That's funny because um, <laughs> we we have done that. Oh, really? Um, we did. Th- yeah, we do that with Cure. Um, they do. It's a big cancer organization. And uh, actually, we just auctioned it off. And I think they said it sold for like eleven hundred dollars. Nice. That's awesome. Charity, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so great. All right. Well, I think that was all of our questions that we had for you, Officer Richie. Do you have any last words that you want to say to the listeners or anything? And also, um, can you plug your info so they can follow you if they want? Yeah, no, I mean, I appreciate y'all listening. It's definitely, this is the, I think the most rewarding and the best job in law enforcement. I mean, you get to come to work with your best friend. Um, so I love it. Uh, I, when Raider retires, I hope I get another one. I'll, I'll have to apply for a dog on the next one because, uh, it would be a dual purpose dog. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm hoping, you know, I'll, after, you know, helping out and, and being a handler for all, she'll probably work till 10. Um, that, that should be an easy, an easy thing, but, um, it's really rewarding. I love it. Um, you can follow us on social media. We have Instagram. That's, uh, ADPS underscore canine, just the letter and the number underscore Raider. And we also have TikTok, which is canine, the letter and the number, just canine underscore Raider 281. And uh, I, if you follow us there, I apologize for all the stupid videos we <laughs> But uh, you know, we started the social media, you know, with with Tap and and Mattis when they when they started it because it was just another avenue to, to connect, especially to the younger crowd. And you know, our vision on it was, you know, if we can enhance the quality of life for the people that live in our city, why can't we do that for the whole world? And so it's just it's a great tool. We love it. So, yeah, hope you follow us. Yeah. Well, you guys have quite the following on TikTok and Instagram, as well as Canine Mattis does, too. So it's we really enjoy following along. And thank you so much for coming on and, and speaking with us. We learned a lot. And yeah, we are excited to see what Rita gets up to in the next few weeks. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited. We work tonight after this podcast, so maybe she'll put her nose to work and we'll find something. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Well, fingers crossed, and thanks again for coming on. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Take care. And then also, for everyone listening, you can find us at With a Dog Podcast on Instagram, TikTok, Clubhouse, and our Facebook group is called I'm With a Dog. See you guys next week. Bye. All content on Weather Dog Podcast is for informational purposes only and should not replace professional advice, treatment, or diagnosis by a certified veterinarian, trainer, or behaviorist.